gentlemen and otherwise, I would like to welcome you to How Not to Start a Damn Brewery, the podcast. I am your host, Kelly KFM Meyer, and I consider myself lucky that any of you are even here. In January 2020, I began writing a book outlining all the gory mistakes that I had made since my wife and I founded our brewery eight years earlier. The second edition of that book is at 57,000 words and available on Amazon, both in Kindle and paperback formats. Please check it out, pick it up, read it, and share it with a friend. The show is the same name as that book simply because my goal here is to help my guests to experience the same catharsis I did after laying my story out in public, and because I know that the lessons I wrote about were only the tip of an enormous iceberg. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe, like, write a review, share with a friend. Trust me, it all really helps. In this podcast, I will interview people in and around the beer business to uncover the mistakes, the pitfalls, and the hardships that all of us poor souls in the brewing industry have had the misfortune to experience. My guests will autopsy dead and dying breweries, break down the science of brewing, and dissect the art of marketing. I'll talk to distributors, retailers, beer writers, even a fan or two. Hell, I'll shove a mic in front of anyone I think can make you better in your business. This is open and honest conversation packed with emotion and sincerity, and hopefully, a little bit of fucking vulgarity. I want to thank you for joining my guests and I on this journey, and I truly hope together that we are able to teach you and your loved ones how not to start a damn brewery. What I have here for you today is episode two for my interview with Brett and Teresa of the Late Fetching Lab Brewery. If you haven't listened to the first episode, well, get off your ass and go queue it up. Go ahead. We'll be here when you get back. Actually, while you're at it, maybe listen to any of the others you've missed as well. See, my guests and I have spent precious time and energy making these things, and if we can't agree that you should be listening to each of them, how the hell do we expect to tackle the abortion debate? So in this episode, we discuss the role distribution played in their decline, the insanity of German chocolate cake, and ultimately what it was like to finally close the doors on their brewery. This was a nearly six-hour interview, and by the end, I couldn't help but be pissed that craft beer lost these two passionate souls. So get yourself comfortable, take a listen, and just see if you agree with me. Remember when you had to buy film for your camera, take pictures you couldn't see or edit, and then pay someone to take two weeks to develop them into pictures? Well, there wasn't a better way then, but there is a better way now. Are you literally still measuring final gravity with a hydrometer like some furry caveman? Dude, you need to get AccuBrew. You'll find real-time feedback on current gravity, temperature, and even clarity. And the thing will alert you anywhere in the world when any of them are out of your spec. I'm tired of telling you to make better beer, so go install AccuBrew and make me shut up. Seriously, go to AccuBrew.com, follow them on socials at AccuBrew, or just call Parker at 727-685-9860. Your beer, your customers, and even I will thank you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the probably the most entertaining and fun conversation we've had so far on this podcast. <laughs> and I don't think we're anywhere near done. So we're just going to skip ahead to mistake nine, which is give every fuck you have about online beer reviews. Oh, yeah. And, and I did. And clearly it bothered you guys uh, as well, as it should, right? You're an artist. You've created a thing. You put your heart and soul into it. And some shitbag piece of shit ass monkey... Hates it without even trying it. He didn't even go to your brewery, right? Didn't even go to our brewery. Didn't even... did uh, Never... I don't even think he was in the same state. I think he hated it. I think he just... No, no, he no. He, never, fuck, he didn't give a fuck. He didn't, he didn't care. He, he wasn't even in the same state. Yeah. He, he just was going through businesses and reviewing because it, there's a... Google has 
this algorithm that if you review so many um, uh, businesses, you become this influencer and respected in the Google community or something. So, so the, the, the most powerful search engine in the world that knows where you are at all times of your life can't look and go, oh, basically you reviewed four different country uh, companies in four different sectors of the United States in the same day going yeah. bullshit and kicking you off. Yeah, no. Nope. No, and, and kicking out those, those, those reviews so that it doesn't harm. Because yeah. it does harm. It actually does harm because people, when they Google your place to go see where you are or who you are, it comes up. It comes up big, and it has your review there, and... You know, you're, you know, and, and, and if you've got several of these influencers or whatever, these people trying to become influencers who've never even been to your place, who've made bogus reviews, then you've actually been harmed because people might say, oh, but this place over here is a five star. So I'm going to go over there because they're obviously better. Right. But that's not necessarily the case. Which because would be the people, entire yeah. concept of the Google review. Right. Otherwise, why it. would you have those? Right. And so they've those, yeah. literally taken business away from you in order to further their own um, image within the Google community. And, you know, while we only had a couple of these, there are some businesses that get, you know, far more of them where they don't even show up. They don't even, they're not even... Um, they've never even been to your place. They don't even know. And, and, and in fact, the comment for us was, sounds like a cool place. I'd like to visit someday. Yeah, that guy didn't even hate you. I've had didn't even hate us. I've had people actually go on mine and recently. So we're going to, we're talking about maybe a month ago. So during the Martin house fucker fiasco of 2021, I had people who got mad at me for the post that I did on Instagram. So they went on untapped to give me a half cap review and say, fuck this guy. So untapped is a beer reviewing website right. in which you're supposed to review the beer that you drank. Right. And I'm comfortable if you drank it, didn't like it, rated it negatively. But like you went on there and just said, I'm an asshole, which I am. I'm not saying I'm not. But no. that's not the place you say that. That's right? not where no. There's a time and a place. Like you know, you 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 say it on Instagram where you're, uh, where where the offending post exists. You know, or hey, on Facebook or on Twitter, or whatever. But you don't do it on where you're reviewing the beer itself. You know, I think that. I think you're right. There's a, you know, if you've tasted the beer and you want to give an honest feedback, I, I, I'm a big believer in honest feedback. I want people to be brutally honest with their feedback of our beer. And if they didn't like it, cool. Is there something that you would like us to do better? Was there, was there an issue? I mean, we actually found where we had some, some keg issues at certain bars where we got a couple of, uh, <laughs> of poor reviews where, where we found, where we actually found out that there was 
There was some beer um, handling issues where our beer was uh, literally used as a doorstop and the sun was shining on the keg. And then they would put it into the uh, the cooler and serve it. And so the beer quality wasn't exactly perfect, let's just say. Yeah. It was not great. No, no, no. She, she's not kidding. Literally, not kidding? They would, take our, they would take a keg and use it to prop over because they had a very small uh, kitchen? Uh, kitchen and to get airflow in the open it open and whatever keg and they would take that keg and then put it in the cooler after it had been sitting for several days yeah. out in the sun and then people are like oh yeah. your beer is horrible so, you're like this is y'all's story I don't want yeah. to one up you but unfortunately yeah. I can do that no yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah do it do it there, there's a bar in San Antonio that still exists and it's one of the top eight sort of crappier influencers right so like you do get mm-hmm. your beer there you, you've made it yeah and uh, I think they may have changed it recently but I'm not positive they may still actually put all their kegs in the room next to the bar, which is at ambient temperature. And for those of you guys listening in anywhere that might be a climate somewhere designated as um, normal. Texas. Texas. We don't live there. And so in San Antonio, that shit has gotten 110. Yeah. And uh, I I remember dropping my kegs off. I'm like, you want to fucking wear? Oh, fuck. No, no. And you come back like two weeks later, deliver a keg. And maybe they just hadn't tapped that keg for whatever reason. You know it sat there for two weeks yeah. at 100 degrees. And you're just like, well, that keg's fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Ain't so now, now yeah. I'm one of the eight places in San Antonio I have to be in. But I know my beer's going to be garbage when you tap it. That's horrible. Yeah. And, and, and we actually found some of those problem moments through our untapped ratings where someone would say, hey, this doesn't taste like it does at the brewery. This doesn't There's look like a, a very good you know, IPA and you see a black beard and you're like, that's our stout. <laughs> that's some of the stuff. That's not our, that's that's not, our yeah. IPA. Oh, yeah. That's not our – we don't have no black IPAs out there. You're like, yeah. We had we had that where someone was like, yeah, you know, their IPA is uh, – I don't know. It doesn't – it's not very hoppy. And they had a picture of a black beer. And we have never done a black IPA in the history of Fetching Lab. So Not because we have a problem it? with yeah, it. Like, they, yeah, they no, had it on the wrong tap. No. They were giving the yeah. wrong beer. Well, well, well you know, one where we were doing a, a tap a tap takeover. We were doing a pint night, whatever. And and, and I'll call it because you, you love names. So that's okay. um, Underdogs. Underdogs. That's the one. Yeah. Underdogs. I, I love like Underdogs. We I love, love Underdogs. Love them, love them, love them. Shit happens. Shit happens. Yeah. Shit happens. Okay. They serve us a beer, and I'm going, oh, God, this is horrible. And I, I won't name the name of the brewery, but we're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. It's horrible. And, and, and they're like, oh, my God. And I'm going, what, do, what, wrong with, what went wrong with our beer? Why is, why is our beer tasting this fucking crappy, whatever it is? And we did investigation. We found out they had our beer tapped to somebody else's beer tap. Okay. Okay. okay hold it. Wait for it. Wait for it here. Wait for it. This gets better. All right. Okay. We had them switch to our, our, the taps to get the correct one. Okay. The tap that they accidentally attached us to, that particular brewery, Actually had a fucking a pub crawl, bu- a bus load, a bus like full long bus people come in. They're jumping from bar to bar to They're bar doing to bar a pub whatever, crawl. and like oh, and I'm going. You're drinking the oh, you poor people. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, so no. oh after oh. this. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Right. Same day, same day, yeah, same day. It was, a, it was the same, same day. day after we got him, that we yeah. realized what was going on because I was going, "This is my beer. This tastes like crap. There's no way this is my beer." Yeah. And we had him switch because they had the wrong, the wrong uh, yeah. tap on because, there. You know, the people came in for the weird beer that we said was just absolutely crap, and they're like, "Oh, try it." And everyone's like, "Oh, yay! This is great." <laughs> and I'm going. So there was something oh. wrong. There was honestly something wrong with their cake, but. 
you know, and it was probably just the one because I think we've had theirs before and it wasn't, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, they, it was they fine. In truth, they weren't a bad brewery, but this but, beer was not. The, yeah, for whatever yeah. reason, that one wasn't good. And we're like, man, there's no way our beer could, number one, change slightly in color, right? Because theirs <laughs> was more amber and the, or, or, or like, I guess, yellow. Yeah, and the, yellow. Yes, and the beer we were expecting was our juniper rye, which is um, uh, we, we, this we beautiful kind of amber light light amber color and, and so we're like something's weird right and what'd you call that beer it was uh it's fetcher, fetcher in the rye. rye fetcher in the rye it was named that wrote itself so yeah so like you know yeah fetcher in the rye um like catcher in the rye you know yep. yeah and uh so you know we uh, you know, we found some of these issues with untapped ratings, you know, and, and they were, they were really valuable for that. And there were also some that you just ignore because, you know, you, you'd look at them and someone would try our beer and they'd give you a, a low score. And then you go and you look at the person's other check-ins and their other check-ins is like Dos Equis. And they're literally checking in Budweiser and Miller Lite and Michelob Ultra. Over and over. It's like, why are you checking in beer ratings for big beer companies like that? That's not what Untapped is for. Who got you into checking in beers, right? (laughs) And yours is the only one in months and months of check-ins that isn't Budweiser, Miller Lite, you know, you, you course, see 16 Budweiser you know, reviews, and I'll say your beer gets a lower rating. You're like, like, well, you're not our. Target you're not audience. my target audience, so yeah. you don't even respond to those. You're like, you were, you were trying it. You were at 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 a uh, at a bar, and they gave a sample, and you didn't like it. You are That's not fine. my target audience. Yeah. I've I can see based on your check ins, I don't need to respond, and you know offer anything i don't need to do anything because because yeah. obviously there's nothing that i'm going to brew that you're going to like based on your check-ins and what you've given five stars to right but right. then you what know you but, like is not my right, style what yeah. you like is not my style and i'm okay with that and i appreciate that you took the time to try my beer but i'm not going to make you happy so i'm going to move on i'm not going to make a big deal about your check-in so what yeah. what we may might mention this to be a, you know we keep mentioning like lessons learned I'm trying to like because the whole purpose thing is how not to open a room. <laughs> how not to open a okay this is actually the one where I will actually put on to the customer because normally hey customers king fully understand that so that's okay but be honest guys if if you are not an IPA person if you're not a stout person if you're not out there and you try one I bless your heart for trying it because we we had a saying we had a very strong saying at our brewery it is is do not apologize for your taste in beer but try new things. I have no problem. If you don't like my beer, I have no problem with you liking because not all beers are for all people and stuff like this. But I will say this right here, especially as the reviews, like we just mentioned stuff. If it's not your style of beer, if it's not the one you like and stuff and you try it, don't go bad mouthing it. Just say, hey, not for me. Give it a mid midpoint rating and say not for me or whatever, but you know, they nice try or whatever. But when you actually sit there and give these bad ratings just because you know it's not a style of beer that you like, yeah. you're hurting those particular customer yeah. uh, that uh, that company and stuff. IPA, yeah. too hoppy, one star. And yeah. their children that they want to send to college also. And they want to send to college, right. You know, but I got dogs you know. that gotta go to, to obedience school. Come yeah, on. I've got dogs that need to go to obedience school. <laughs> you know? 
and there's there's two different ratings that you can do, and I've seen both. So there are beer buyers that I've, I've sampled with. When you sample them, they won't rate it yeah. at all. So there's just no rating at all. So you can also check in a beer yeah. without saying you love it or hate it. Just yeah. say, hey, I tried it. That's I all tried it, yeah. Um, and then the other one I've seen is that people will give like a three-star rating to everything, which I don't necessarily love, but I don't hate it. And yeah. so what it means essentially is like, I just tried it. It's fine. Uh, but I'm not going to rate it one way yeah. or the other. All right. Either yeah. of those I can, I can get with, but the, and I use an example in the book, the, the half app review, I hate X style of beer. Uh, it's like, yeah. if my grandma, if your grandma made German chocolate cake and it's the best German chocolate cake in the world and I tasted it, I, the two things I wouldn't do is I wouldn't tell her she's a fucking idiot for making it and I sure right. she wouldn't go on the internet and tell other people she's an idiot. I hate coconut. I love chocolate. Coconut. Yep. But don't put your fucking coconut in my goddamn chocolate. I don't want that to happen. You guys are heathens. All right. Heathens. <laughs> I, I just found my new no spirit high animal. Fives. No high fives. <laughs> yes. I, I I am 100% in your camp when it I comes to that. I love German chocolate cake. But you, so, so here's here's the funny thing. So um, Father's Day came around and see your German chocolate cake story. We are going to have my dad over for Father's Day and I asked Brett. He's on his way home from, from work and I was like, hey, can you pick up a dessert? Because I don't have time to make something, right? <laughs> so he picks up German chocolate cake. He forgets that I don't like coconut. No, I didn't forget that. But it just he happens. He forgets that normal people don't I didn't forget that. Same people don't like coconut. But, well, or, or he didn't realize that German chocolate cake has coconut, one or the other. But you know, but it turns out that that's my dad's absolute favorite. That's the one I remember. But no, you didn't know that. He you didn't know that beforehand because I didn't know not, that beforehand. Not bad, Brett. Not so, bad. So, yeah. I knew that. So, so he gets a German chocolate cake. And so, of course, I'm like, yeah, it's got coconut. But you know what? I'll eat it. I'll eat it because, you know, we're doing a social thing and... I'm not going to love it, but I'm not going to, you know, spit it out and I'm not going to be like, no, and I'm not going to make a big deal of it because, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of coconut. I'm not, it's not my favorite, but I'll live, right? Shouldn't kill so, you. So yeah, it won't kill me. So, so the funny thing, uh, uh, wait, a couple wait, wait, weeks wait, ago, wait, 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 wait. Now, go, go ahead and finish your story. My go. mom decides <laughs> that she's going to make for the first time. I've, she's never made German chocolate cake before in her life. And she made German chocolate cake, cake the other day. And I was like, well, it's got coconut <laughs> in the chocolate. And she's like, Oh crap. I forgot. The you don't like texture and squeaky. It's, just, it's, yeah, just, oh. it's like, Oh, come on. Right. But you know what? I sat there and I ate it. I was like, you know what? The she cake didn't. part is pretty good. Wait, you know, you didn't go on okay. Facebook and I didn't go on put, Facebook. How much of an and, asshole well, she was. I did go on a podcast. <laughs> I want to make sure she listens to this. Part two. Part two. Touché. I did go on a podcast, but no, I mean, it was, it was, okay, actually, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was I'm quite sorry. good. And I, I've got to ask, this is, okay, okay. Where the fuck does the name German chocolate cake come with coconut in it? it how many, sense. how it many Germans sense. actually grow coconuts? Right. Hitler probably kidnapped someone from the tropics and maybe maybe they made a, some made, forced them Germany to make a cake or something. People who actually live in Germany have probably never there's, there's probably never been a single coconut actually grown in Germany. Where the fuck does German chocolate cake have coconut in it? Where would be the close? Maybe Africa would be the closest place. I don't even do they have. Palm trees? I don't, I don't know. know. I was going Germany does Where not would be the closest? I don't know. Not in Germany. There's no I don't way. Know, we we digress. No way. But I was just yeah. wondering about it. Like, Mediterranean? Would they have any palm trees? I feel like they would. I'm a maybe. big fan of German chocolate cake, so you two yeah. can just go <laughs> off, right? Yeah. 
Well, yeah. nothing else so, you say from this point on has any value. Yeah, it has no value because, you know, your <laughs> love of disconnect your mic. <laughs> <laughs> your, your love of coconut just disqualifies you from this conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, right, so, yeah, so we're, we're talking about um, uh, reviews and stuff. Yeah. Guys, please be kind and think about it. You know, if you don't like a particular style of beer and you try it, we bless you for trying and stuff. Don't blast people just because you don't yeah. like Because you know you don't like it when you first took it. We, we love the fact that you took it. You tried it. But don't go blasting because you don't like it. Well, part of the challenge is that everyone has their, their own rating requirements for what is, what is three star, what is four star, what is five star. And there's there are actually some people that are like, I'd never give a five star. Unless it unless it is absolutely phenomenal, like I've only given one five star ever, which usually means it's high alcohol and has a shitload of adjuncts in it. Not that it was the best pilsner that was like super balanced and had noble hops in it. Yeah, almost never. Right, but you know, but then there's some people who five star any really good quality beer, and so you're like you're hoping for those guys who are like, you know what. I really liked it. I would drink it again. I'll call it a five star because I found nothing offensive about it and I would buy it and put it in my fridge. But you have two ends of the spectrum. And so then when you're reading and you're like, okay, well, a three star. Is a three star them saying my beer was bad or are they saying it was mediocre or are they saying it was they would put it in their fridge because some people are that way where they give everything three stars unless it's, you know, really something unbelievable. But they would still put it in their fridge and they would still drink it regularly. So, so you just don't know what that means when you see a four star or a three star, you know, or, or, a, or a five star. You know, you know what they mean when you get a one or a two star. But from three and up, you're, you're kind of sitting there like... Did I do something wrong or did, am I doing something right? I don't really know, right? right. So while we're on the top of there, let, let's throw this back on our host and ask, what is your favorite beer? <laughs> what, what's your favorite beer? What is your five-star? Favorite, favorite single beer. Single beer, single beer. Well, so I would, again, like I said earlier, um, I think all crap beer drinkers are sluts. And so my favorite beer in many cases is that beer that I'm enjoying in that moment situationally or whatever. But... Um, the closest thing I have to a beer that I would just, I, I just need to grab something to enjoy the moment would be Live Oak Pills. Um, that's the one that I tend to gravitate to. One of my favorite beers. Uh, what, I mean, it's tough one. It's tough, tough question. It's tough. Again, they're situational. And I think that's one of the things, like, yeah. looking yeah. back now, when I decided to start a brewery, I wanted to start a brewery because a lot of the excitement that I had around different mm-hmm. beers that I'd had in different situations. So, I went to a Belgian beer fest and fucking Duval blew my mind. Uh, triple Carmelite. I, I just think that's one of the best beers in the world. That's been bought out, you know, four or five years ago. Maybe it's not as good. I don't know. I haven't had it recently, but those are beers I really enjoy. I do have Duval in my cellar at home, which is, yeah, I guess that might be. And I'm actually brewing a farmhouse inspired version of that beer on Monday. So maybe. Oh, nice. I guess if I had to pick one, let's go with Duval. All right. So, what about you? Um, I, I think one of the most, the, there, there have been two times in my life where a beer has actually literally just changed like my entire world. Um, one was at a, uh, friend's house and he brought me out 
my first uh, KBS by Founders. Yeah. And this is like in 2014, whatever. I mean, it's in the first, like, just, just one of those beers that was just the perfect beer for my palate. Perfect beer. Like, oh, my God, this is the most best beer I have ever, ever had. They did a good job of adding all those adjuncts, but still making the beer smooth and have a clean finish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and particularly with the alcohol, like it, the alcohol didn't give a burn, and it was just it was yeah. all integrated. Yeah, there's a lot of really really good beers, but that was one that literally it was like you know, and, and all right, patting myself on the back here because that's you know there's for you new brewers out there who actually go into large scale and stuff. One of the most transcendental moments, whatever was we had just brewed our first batch. We brewed our very, very first batch on our large system. We only did three barrels, which, which we'd calculated been the bare minimum we could get away with on such a large system and stuff. And we did a three-barrel system. And we had already moved it into the bright tank. It had been sitting in the bright tank for three days at just barely above freezer. And actually, I think it was like one degree below. It was like 31 degrees, I believe it was at, whatever, had the CO2 yeah. and stuff. And I poured my first uh, uh, Roundup Amber Ale straight from the ferment or from the uh, the bright tank and stuff. And I was like, I had never tasted a beer so good. It was Hold so on. amazing. Hold on. Let me finish the story. So he just, Hold up. let me give you, let me give you the, uh, the, the, the ending of this. So he's the, saying, the this is the, this is the best beer. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then the crisis of conscience oh, yeah. hit, where he's like, oh, this is great. Maybe it sucks, right? Maybe it sucks. Right, right? No, it was, no. it was no, this the, is the, the best. The thing is, beer is like farts. You never realize how bad your stinks. All right? <laughs> right. Literally what the thought is. Right. So, so I'm going, am I kidding myself? Am I, am I, am I, so, I, so he went through this massive crisis of, 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 of identity and, and conscience. And he's like, and he hands me the beer. He's like, taste it. And I'm like, it's so, it's okay. He's like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> so then I was like, you know what? Call my, Val. My, so Val hadn't, you know, Val from Val and Sons hadn't started his brewery yet, but we had met him and we had been having some conversations with him, helping him with getting his brewery going, giving him some of the ins and outs and everything. And so we had met him and he had become a good friend of ours. So Brett calls him up and he's like, Hey, I need you. I need you to try this beer. And Val being the most amazing, wonderful friend in the world. He's, he's got the biggest heart. He works over at NASA. And he's like a manager guy, right? I don't know exactly oh, what it is, but he's, he's, he's kind of a big deal, right? And he basically stopped work, right? It was probably like four o'clock in the afternoon. It was pouring down rain. I mean, you couldn't see, you know, the mailbox from, you know, from the building. It was just, it was pouring down rain. And Val dropped everything. He's like, I'll be there in a minute. Well, a little more than a minute. Straight, he's, straight, you know, straight forward. You know, a little more than a minute. He's like, I'll be there as soon as I can. Yeah, it's he like hops 25 in, minutes away. It's like 25, 30 minutes away, right? So he hops in his truck and he speeds through the rain. He comes driving up our driveway. You know, comes out and he's like, what's up, guys? What do you need? Right? Brett hands him a beer and he's like, taste this. Right? And I mean, it's almost like something from a movie, right? Because he's just like, hey, you know. 
What's what up? do you need? What's going on, right? Like, there's, like, this major crisis happening. So, Brett hands him, hands him the beer. We're supposed to distribute our very first keg the very next day. We were going to go on a Drink of Ages show with John Denman over at Firehouse Saloon. So, Brett hands him the beer, and, and he takes it, and he drinks it. And he's like, what's up? What? This is great. This is great. What? This is fantastic. What's this the fantastic. What's the problem? So, so we knew that Val was willing to be honest with us because we had handed him beers and he's like, yeah, you know, or what, you know, yeah. he, he'd given us critique before. Right. So we knew that he, he understood that we have no ego about our beer. When we ask you, how do you like it? We want a true answer and we're not going to get upset. We're secure enough in our, our existence that, you know, that if, if you don't like our beer, we're okay. We're okay with it. Just give us the honest feedback. And so he was like, no, this is great. This is wonderful. I drink, drink a whole bunch of this. And then Brett almost fell to his knees because that moment got so stressful for him because this was the, this was the big moment. It was going to go out in the do field tomorrow. It was do or die. Now the public is going to be introduced to Fetching Lab Brewery in a big way because we're starting it with um, Firehouse Saloon on a podcast. We're going to be talking about it, you know, or on a radio show. Sorry, a radio show. And, you know, and so Brett just like, he broke down, right? And Bell was like, What's going on? He yeah, still didn't know. He didn't know what was going on. He's like, what did you want me to say? He literally told us. He told us that he's like, like, I thought maybe there was an off flavor I was missing. Yeah. And I'm like, right, no, right. no, I, I thought it was a great beer, but we wanted to make sure. Yeah. Then that would actually be the, the lesson learned, I guess, is is your good friends will lie to you. Okay, uh, we, we call it the American Idol Syndrome. How many people have you seen on American Idol going, my friends tell me I sing like an angel, and they sound like a dying cow on crack. I oh, mean, it's, in it's, the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They always put those but in there. But all their friends general. were like, go on American yeah, Idol. Yeah, those are not your friends. By the way, no, guys, not hey, let's, listen to me. Those are not your if, friends. If you're an American Idol and stuff, and, and, and you know your voice is, is bad and stuff, those, those are not your friends. Those are not okay? your friends. They're not your those friends. Your friends. Well, even towards the end, when the competition and get stiff like everyone still gets votes yeah some idiot somewhere yeah. Yeah. in yeah. some state we don't want to talk about is still calling and going like well, that's, <coughs> my guy. that's my guy <laughs> that's my guy that's that's the one yeah. who, who but, but yeah find somebody who's willing to be truthful yeah. with you and be willing to accept negative criticism on your beers yeah don't don't get upset if you get the negative criticism because you're going to you're, you're going, going to. to and it makes yeah. you better you need to you need to know how to interpret the negative criticism because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just not the beer for that person but sometimes no you literally have something wrong with your beer and you need someone to tell you because you love your beer so much you don't see it right you're too close to it you don't want to see it and that's what brett was so much, so afraid of was that he was too close to it that he'd had so much of it that he couldn't tell an off flavor or he wasn't able to see it because he wanted it so bad to be really good, you know, wishful thinking. Right. So, so he called literally the one person he knew that would be truly brutally honest with him because he is that good of a friend. Right. And, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, you're good friends. They don't want to hurt your feelings, but the really good friends are okay with hurting your feelings. You know, the ones that really truly care about, what you're doing and are invested in you are willing to tell you when you're doing something wrong or something is, is off because you need to know it because they want you to succeed. 
right? Yeah. Everyone wants you to succeed, but these guys are really, truly invested. They need you, you know, to they, succeed. They yeah. really, they, you know, because everyone wants, you know, everyone's like, yes, do it, do it, do it. And they're pumping you up. But the person that's saying stop for a second, they're the ones that's going to help you succeed because everyone else is going to just ferry you along and, and, and you're going to miss things until someone stops and says, Oh, that was crap. (laughs) Maybe I don't like that off flavor. It's, it's, it tastes burnt or it, you know, something, something went wrong. You know, I'm getting this weird, this weird flavor. And then, and then all of a sudden you taste it and you're like, Oh, I do. Now I see it. Now I see it, but I'm so close and I'm so, I'm so invested and I put so much money on the line. I put so much effort on the line. I've put, you know, people, you know, our livelihoods in in such a, like it almost has to work. Right. It's like, it has to work. You put everything into this. And so you want everything to be so good. You need someone to tell you, hold on, you need to be better. And you will get better. You will do it. You will take that moment. You will dump that beer if it needs to be dumped. But if no one tells you you need to dump that beer, that first beer, you might not dump it because you want it so bad. Along those lines right there, lessons learned. All right. (laughs) One of the people we talked to was Ty from, like I said, from um, uh, Fort Bend Brewing Company and stuff. Okay. Not going to go into it. It's his story. You can track him down, talk to him and stuff like this, okay? But as we understand it was that the distributor had told him, I don't care what the beer tastes like. You manufacture it, we will sell it. And he actually put out a beer that first like first run beer, like a uh, brand new system, let's brew a beer, put it out, and it was big big problem as, as i understand i don't know all the but that's the was, kind of the way that we understood beer. it yeah so he it, was worried about it and the distributor was like don't worry we can sell it if if i recall correctly and ty we apologize if we got it wrong we got it wrong but i try to tell your story that this is the way the lesson yeah. we learned was lesson we learned was be, be, be very very careful about putting that beer out because your reputation is your your entire existence is your reputation and stuff and he puts so our whole thing was you only get one chance to make a Right. Good first impression. We started out with that amber because we figured that was the most forgiving beer. It was one that we knew the best, and we were we were familiar with it enough to, to actually take it from a 10-gallon up to, I think it was like 150 gallons, which is actually, like you said, not everything is linear when you're actually making beer yeah. and having to adjust it and everything like this. And so we, we were able to manufacture it and stuff, and we put it out there. And this... Um, um, Reputation being very, very careful. So we, we actually started with much, a much smaller beer than what we actually wanted. So the amber was the first one that we actually put out. So, so our brewery was actually known for a blueberry cream ale, Blue Mischief, and we didn't put that beer out first because we knew so many things could go wrong, and we needed to start with, you know, a beer that. Um, had less, I guess, complexity, but was still a, a beer that it's people beer. loved. It's a it's a staple in the um, in the beer industry. But you know, our our crazy blue mischief. While it's 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 a crowd favorite, it actually took. Um, we it wasn't even the probably the fifth beer out 
because we were we wanted to make sure that we knew exactly what we were doing with the system with we had our reputation out there and then get this beer out there um the right way because we knew it was going to be our big seller you know but um coming out of the gate having the possibility of screwing up dumping a beer because it'll be a little more expensive you know the ingredients and whatnot we wanted to make sure that if we had to dump a beer it's going to be on a cheap beer yeah. <laughs> a cheap right. beer to make when you're just learning the equipment you know it's uh, we did a water batch and then we did a brew and you oh, know yeah, yeah. hello our first, our first brew air quotes going no. on uh we literally took a batch of water 100 percent through the entire literally we boiled a batch of water for one hour just so we right. get temperatures and times and and, and evaporation rate evaporation yeah. rates yeah. and everything figure out how long yeah. it was gonna yeah. take yeah so we yeah. took the it might seem silly to actually boil because you we took it, it up to a boil all right i got the boil let's move the next step no we actually boiled for the full hour just so we could actually see what was we took it all the way to the yeah. fermenter and then we took it to uh, all the way to the into the bright tank so we didn't leave it in the fermenter for a couple of weeks but we got it all the way to the to the fermenter, and we dropped the and we dropped the temperature, and we got the glycol going, and we got it into a steady state temperature, and then we and then we moved it all the way to the bright tank and got it into there, so we could learn all the processes. We, every, we every carbonated step with water. it, all everything with water first. Well, and that sounds like something that uh, would make sense to do, and that would be a kind of like a logical next step. So I'm assuming that that was clearly taught to you by your distributor, who was the like, best in the market. <laughs> oh, yes, Which, of course. You after know, the, mo- the, after the this most- coming break, we plan to dive right into the distributor oh. conversation. <laughs> and uh, there's probably not going to be anything interesting to talk about. It's going to be super quick, but oh, uh, no. we'll get it out of the way. Oh, uh, we're right when we come back. Angels. angels. So, hey, where are you kids buying your grains? You know, back in the day, we only had two options, and each of them knew it. When there isn't any competition, things like customer service and aggressive pricing just don't make a bit of sense to the big guys' bottom lines. But Brewery Direct has given lots of fucks about their customers since the day they sold their first bag of grain back in 2016. They sourced grains for quality and grains for price. And as an extension of Johnson Brothers Bakery Supply, their access to unique ingredients and brewing adjuncts is simply unparalleled. And now, with warehouses from Washington to New Jersey, you've got no excuse for an overpriced or unimaginative grain bill. You can't make great beer from any old bullshit, and Brewery Direct knows that. They have great prices on great grains and offer great service to great breweries of all sizes. Oh, did I mention the free shipping? Check them out at BreweryDirect.com, or just type Brewery Direct into all of those social medias you seem to like so damn much. All right, welcome back. So, I feel like we've talked about a lot of things that uh, have have brought some emotions out from both of you guys, and and I don't want to, like, assume what's going to happen when we talk about distribution but i got i gotta i gotta admit i feel i'm a little afraid i don't know what's going to happen next so um let's just start with obviously when you guys first started you initially went straight to distribution correct yes and for the distributor that you went with to get their license they needed you uh you obviously needed them to bring your beer to the market Full disclosure, this is also the distributor in Houston that I was with a matter of months later. It may have been six, it may have been 12. I'm not sure, but it was very soon afterwards. So uh, tell me how that worked. Like, how did you decide which distributor to go with? And uh, like, what what was uh, kind of the thought process there? Like, why are these guys the best? 
I'm sorry, but my mother told me if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And and I vapor uh, lock there. So okay, so ladies and so, gentlemen, we're gonna wrap up the podcast right there. Wrap up right there. So so best is not a word that I've ever described uh, this company with. No, we met these people at a craft brewers guild meeting. They said the right things. They did the right things. They said we're for the small craft breweries and you know craft brewery rah rah and stuff like this. We actually did our research, and, and the thought process that came to us was big fish, small pond, small small fish, big pond. I'd rather be the big fish, small pond, and let's get in the ground floor of a brand new distributor who is saying, let's take care of the craft brewery. And so very, very beginning, we're like, all right, let's go on to, to um, Blundering Coots. I'm sorry. Uh, wandering Boots. <laughs> wandering Boots. Wandering Boots. My bad. Sorry. sorry. Slip, slip the tongue there. Okay. Okay. So the only thing I'm going to interject is that I, I listened to the same sales pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, it was believable and, and no, right so no matter and even the website um, and even like, like I told you guys I interviewed the male half of the partnership that owned this and I, and I love Chris to death yeah um, there were some pieces there where these guys had an opportunity where you knew that somebody like the entrenched um, incumbent just wasn't going to give a fuck the same way so they may have done a better job logistically they might have gotten you more tap handles and more placements at retail but they would um, not even respond to an email in any way literally no response from them whatsoever because they didn't need you right and these guys needed you and they and they had some opportunities so they could have been amazing Yeah. yeah they they had they had opportunity to be fair the male half, as you, as you say, was actually, he was a good guy. He's good guy. He's, we will straight up say he's a good guy. And I honestly don't have any hard feelings towards him because I don't think that he was the one who was malicious. You know, in the end, there was a lot of malicious actions that was was taken when uh our sales got down to very very small i mean we're talking like one to two barrels single digit barrels allow me to put this like okay, okay me doing all the brewing all the cleaning all the kegging all the paperwork all the sales all the delivery and working a full 40 hour a week job i was, was eating bonbons Yes, it <laughs> Just chocolate bun was was, <laughs> was was doing sixty. I'm sorry, six. six, six. Sorry, six barrels a week. A week sales, and at the end, they couldn't even manage two barrels a month, month. and wouldn't let us out of our contract. Yeah, wouldn't let us out, and unfortunately, Texas law. The one thing that you cannot fire a distributor for is dun, 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 lack of sales performance. Yeah. Right? It Remember is the, the Fair Dealings Act, which, which is not a Fair Dealings Act. No, it makes Act. it fair. It's very fair. It's very fair. 102.57. The Beer Industry Fair Dealings Act, yes. Is not fair at all. And now I don't know if anything has changed since we went through it because I haven't looked at it since because at, at one point we there had it like memorized. And there's been a couple of sessions since, right? It, it could have it could have changed, but it, it basically when you sign with a distributor, you sign with them forever. Um, you cannot, it, by law, 
interestingly, you cannot fail to renew a contract. So you could put in a contract that says, I'm going to sign with you for two years. And that's lovely and adorable that you think that that's going to fly because Texas law says you cannot fail to renew the contract. So it's two years. It renews in two years and forever. And it also says that your heirs, if you were to die in a terrible bus accident, I, uh, I hope it never happens. Your heirs who take over the brewery cannot fail to renew that contract. They have actually thought about the people who will survive you being stuck in the same contract, even if they would rather not be in that same contract. Of course, there's been the back and forth on whether or not you can sell your distribution rights, not, you, you know, you whatever, now. and now you can. Yeah, and, can, can. I mean, when we were going through it, you couldn't, so we couldn't sell our rights. But then they wanted us to buy our rights back. But the way that buying rights back works is not based on how much they're selling right now. It's based on how much they've sold over a certain period of time. And then you multiply it out by like three to six, three three, years, three three years, I think three years. And so them doing so they had, they had started off pretty strong. And so they were at about two, two barrels. They wanted us to pay them 50 grand to buy our rights back because for, for a three or six, I don't remember. I think she ran it at a six year. I don't know what it was, but she asked for 50 grand to buy our two barrel a month market back. Because they had done at one point, I think they got up to a whopping no 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 twenty. Well, well, I think they, they got to a twenty yeah, once. They, no no they, they never they never breached twenty because okay uh, all right, okay guys. nineteen so, eighteen so I don't know let's let's so. step back just for a minute here we actually did our models and and we're not idiots we we actually did a lot of computer modeling trying to figure out how this whole thing would work and we figured that if we made twenty barrels a month we would be fine. We were actually making a profit at 20 barrels a month. And you got to realize that for, for you small breweries, they can start down there. There That's, are lots of different breweries out there that have 20 barrel fermenters, single batch. Literally, they, they turn over one of those a month and they're, and they're making money and stuff. Okay. No, no, That's no, no. We They've got bigger about. operations. No, 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 no. I'm saying there's a lot yeah. that were that minimum had 20 <laughs> barrel fer- fermenters. Okay. And, and but they're so, not turning so over. So we're, we're thinking if we, can make, if we can make it to 20 barrels a month, we're making money and stuff on this or there so we're thinking we could make 20 but there's no way in a city the size of Houston we can't sell 20 you know 40 kegs in one single month with it with a good distributor that was our whole thought process on this thing we were basically there when we had it to you know I mean six barrels a week ish you know, he was, we were, we were almost there when, when, when we handed it to him. I mean, we have really low overhead. The way we opened the brewery, we have super, super low overhead. It was our, our tactical advantage was we had yeah. almost no overhead whatsoever. Yeah, we had very low overhead. So we could make a profit at 20 barrels. Most breweries can't. Yeah. We did, we did something, you know, with, with the way that we, you know, built it out and how, you know, the choices we made, it hindered us in some sense, but it helped us in others. And the fact that we had super low overhead meant, okay, we could deal with a startup distributor. If they're hungry, we would actually do pretty well, right? And, and if they drop below or above, it's okay. It's okay, you know, because 20 barrels should be easy. It should be easy in Houston to put out 20 barrels in a month. 
you know, I mean, that's a, a minimum. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your break even and if you even is if you want to say anything, but it's probably bigger than 20 barrels a month. Well, especially once you go into small format package. Yeah. yeah. So it changes the game quite a bit. But but we're talking, think, we're talking just keg. Just keg. If you were to say just uh, keg. Bottle and so that actually changes the entire mathematics. But we're talking just um, keg. But even for me, it's, it's literally 30 barrels a month. 30, yes. yeah. Break even meaning I still get a paycheck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so that's you. You you're, you've got low overhead too, then, because there's there's some that they've got to do quite a bit more before before they're breaking even. Because you got employees, you've got large space rent. If you have any loans, you've got the cost of ingredients. You know, I mean, all of that, all Which those costs going up. to do it. Yeah. But you've gone up. Federal taxes. Uh, taxes. taxes. Uh, so twenty barrels shouldn't have been. An issue, you know, with a with a small brewery or small distributor should have been should have been fine. And so, but, but at this point, you guys were draft only, correct? We were yeah. only draft, yeah. Yeah. And so, when they asked for fifty for our distribution rights, we were we were, we were pretty insulted. Not no, but and hell not no. just no, but hell no. Not when we're going been on to a steady decline. Yeah, it's been a decline since. Uh, so, so they made one really good. Um, decision, and they hired a gentleman named Aaron Brown, oh, yeah. and we love him even to this day. We 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 eventually hired him later as the, the, uh, one, the one month where we almost broke twenty barrels was strict almost entirely was because him. of him. Because well, he was our only employee at that time. Yeah, and then. Because of the, um, he was doing sales for you? Yeah, he was, no, he was doing sales for, for, uh, for Wandering Boots, yeah. ah. and, uh, and they almost broke 20 that month. He worked his butt off, and, and then he left them, and they brought in some other uh, salespeople who were very nice, don't get me wrong, but they weren't as successful with sales. And they had some and, people that were doing part-time, too. Yeah, some yeah. part-time, and it was, it was, it was an odd setup there. But Aaron went to go work for a brewery to be a brewer, which is what he really wanted to do, right? He didn't want to be a distributor. He wanted to be a brewer. And so our sales went, ooh, right, down quite a bit. And over the next year or so or more, it just kept going down. Every month was worse than the, uh, the one before um, until it got to a head where we're like, you know, it just, we just can't keep on, you know, come on, let us out. And, and the answer was no, it was pay us for your rights. So Texas law said that we couldn't have asked them for them to pay for the almost 20 barrels that we, a month that we handed the them, you but that. they very much could assume Aaron's 20 barrels at one month and work it out for the next three years and ask us for to pay for our rights back to be removed from the contract when they weren't doing anything. So, so it became a little, you know, throwing some lawyers back and forth. It was very contentious, we'll say. Um, but so then during this time, uh, you were still selling them beer? We had to. And they were by law. paying you... Kind of on time? Uh, or, no, oh, not God, even no, close no, on time. No, no. We, we, we had, had 90 days late. Yeah, we spread yeah, big spreadsheets yeah. that showed them oh, we had, they never... In fact, so we actually turned them into the TABC because... So the TABC doesn't have... They have a credit law. That's for when you... With um, with bars. But they don't have the same... So that's, that's when um, a bar 
doesn't pay for their beer in the appropriate amount of time and Which they get on the no no bad dog COD. list right you know and no that doesn't work i think for for ale we have to, you know it's it's cash on demand but with beer if they get behind so so if they're on that list you can't distribute to them until they get it all cleared up and they're off the list so it's really so they have that for distributors or breweries and bars, right? So the retailers, or, if the retailer right. doesn't pay properly, but they do not have the same thing for distributor. Yeah. So we actually went to the, to the TBC and we're like, look, we can show you. And we took images of their check dates of when the, when the um, invoices were due and showed a, and, and had a whole spreadsheet and said, they've been late. For, you know, I don't remember how many, what the percent is like 60% 60 of of their their invoices, they they were were over like 60 or 90 days late from what they, the law says they're supposed to be, but there's no, no, no bad dog list for them. Right. There's nothing that shuts them down like there is for a retailer that gets them in trouble to say, hey, no, you have to pay these guys before you can buy beer again. Not that I'm <laughs> saying that that's, you know, it's it's rules for thee, but not for me. Right. And when well, it comes they, to they lobby to right? make those rules, too. Right. Yeah. And so we actually had, you know, a case going with the TBC saying, look, they're, they're not paying us. They're like, not, not you know, they're not going. Up. No, they did. And up doing a hearing with them and I think it, it took a while but I think they were really close to at the end they were really close to their renewal date and I think they worked it out with the TABC that they just wouldn't renew but, th- but think about, I think, think about I, for a minute. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that I don't know for sure but I know that there, the TABC was was uh, involved they'd had some, uh, in, some meetings with them and we're like, well, what were your results? And they were very hesitant about it. And they, they, they kind of think about we're that like, well, their their renewals coming up. TABC you know. law says that you cannot break it with a distributor unless you have good cause. And if you have good cause, you must give them thirty days to. Or I'm sorry, 90, 90 days, ninety days, three months, three months to make an attempt not to fix it. But an, an attempt, attempt to, fix to fix it. I thought they had to cure it. They don't no. have to cure no, it. They, they have to make, make an attempt to attempt. cure it. They have a good faith attempt to fix it. Now, good, good faith, faith attempt. Who, who determines what good faith is? Uh, okay. Lawyers. We went, in, yeah, in. we went through that. We threw lawyers at. We do it. We, we did that. We, we asked, we asked the TBC for their help yeah. so on the how the to TBC cure this. TBC had a meeting with these people and they knew that the TBC knew they were not going to renew these people's license, but they let us sit there for for almost two months mm. and, and and not make any money and us suffer. And this, when they knew, they could have said, they're gone. Y'all go about your yeah, business. Yeah. They the could tribute. have easily have done, but because it was easier legally for them to, to let us suffer. It was so, an easier message for them to, uh, you know, display. So, the, you know, the one organization that while they regulate you but they should also be an advocate for you right? they, they, they yes. run the rules both sides well they're the government so at some point you would think that they would at least treat, every, treat right. all the constituents fairly you right. would right. think so but no they what they, makes it easier for them they made it the you know the easiest thing for them and you know of course the, the law is not on your side and so you really have to document everything when you if you go into a distributor contract honestly you need to be a dick seriously yeah. you you write a strict 
contract, you need to know the Fair Dealings Act by heart. You need to be able to quote it. You need to know what it, what it says because it matters and it'll come down to it. And you need to write your contract that has auditing, reporting. They need to be reporting to you numbers. They need to be reporting to you where your kegs are. We still don't know where 50, 50 kegs of ours are. They never provided us with the final list. I don't, I don't even think they knew where they were. No, I think the, they there lost was, there was a hundred kegs they did. Our, we, oh, yeah, found we found 50 of them. And we still don't know where 50 of them are after three years, three years. We still don't know where they are. They never had Encompass, remember correctly, but most of the distributors here in Texas use an online system that can give you those reports. But now that I'm thinking about it, they did. We used to get a report occasionally, right? It was, yeah, it wasn't an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd get an occasional report here and there. But when you ask, they're like, oh, well, you know, and, and you, you, then you'd get something and, like, well, but that's not all the kegs, right? And we've, I mean, just just the other day, we had someone find a yeah, wandering they brought, whiz cake. Because they, they use those um, those event wristbands. Oh, that's right. Right, remember? And so there was a wandering boots keg that just that made its way part, just the, the last uh, couple weeks. I think it was a good colder part. They just, you know, didn't, didn't do us a lot of good. Yeah. yeah. So, so l- if anyone than... is in Houston... <laughs> And yeah. that's one of our kegs. If We're looking knows. for them. We may not know where they are. Please <laughs> contact us because we still have 50 kegs. We don't know where they are because they never give us a, the final list. They, yeah. they uh, She refused. So he would have, and I think he would have if he knew where they were. I don't know if he knew where they all were. Yeah, she, she I think there was it. some uh, At that losing, point, probably not. Yeah, yeah, I think there was some, some record-keeping challenges. I'm not 100% sure if they, they lost track. But she absolutely just refused to give it to us. She yeah. didn't owe it to us, she said. Yeah. So here's your lesson learned on this particular one. Um, when it comes to dealing with a distributor, you as a brewery, your only legal um, defense on this thing is the contract that you sign with the brewery. The, the TABC and the, the federal, the Texas state government will not step in nope. to protect you in any way, shape, or form. That contract is your only thing. So my, my, my advice to you is be an absolute dick. When it comes to that contract, put in lots of different things where they, they owe you reports on who they're talking to and who they're giving things to, where your kegs are, literally do all these. Whether you follow through on a month-to-month basis is not relevant, but when it comes down to, I want to get out from underneath this contract, your only defense is that particular contract that you sign with them put lots of stuff that will help you get out i mean and do not let them if if they try to back out of that particular contract saying oh that's not really fair you go and listen guys y'all have all of the particular um advantage advantages on this thing there if you are not willing to actually give me this little bit to actually protect myself you're not looking for my best interest and i don't want to do business with you distributors will screw you if they have an advantage to them so be a dick when it comes to actually signing that contract yeah. so always be a dick always, always be, be a dick, dick you know right. and the thing is is that there's some things you can't put in the contract even though you want to and you could it's just not going to be legal like oh, be it's, yeah, a two, yeah, yeah. it's a two 
two-year yeah. contract, a four-year contract. That's not legal. Yeah. You can't you, sign you a can't uh, sign contract it. that's time-based. It says you cannot fail to renew. So anytime that you think you're doing a, a short-term contract with them, okay, that's fine. If they put any kind of verbiage about being able to renew this stuff, you cannot fail to do it. Right. Well, you're stuck into a long-term contract. Here's, not a short-term you know, you know here's, my, here's my favorite one, yeah. and you guys are you're not going to like this one at all, but I think it's hilarious. So Glaciers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we once tried to sign with them in San Antonio. We looked to like do the whole thing, and mm-hmm. so and I'm they're I'm sure they're not unique. But when my wife dug through the contract, there was a clause in there that said that everything in this contract is subject to the Fair Dealings Act. Yeah, yes, right, That's, yeah. And then, like three sentences later, it goes. Um, also, if ever the Fair Dealings Act is repealed, everything in this contract is still. It's been place. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, in case the, the government ever changed anything, you're still screwed. You're still, you just you're admitted. still held to the Fair Dealings Act as it existed. In my opinion, wow. you just admitted that it's pretty much bullshit, and hopefully yeah. one day our society will move past the garbage that some asshole wrote. Because yeah. right, hey. it is the worst <laughs> name. It is the worst named act I've ever yeah. seen because yeah, it is not it. actually the fair dealings act there's not nothing fair, fair it's 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 completely one-sided there is nothing fair about it my advice is also what if you are going to sign with a distributor get a really good tabc lawyer to go through it and explain every bit of it to you to i mean know what it says not don't just you know, kind of read it and all oh, this all sounds good. No, it doesn't. Trust me, it does not all sound good. It is all. It is. <laughs> in fact, it all sounds really wrong. Even though on the surface it seems to sound good, it is likely in their favor. It is not in your favor. Yeah. So you know, putting in those reporting pieces is so important because it gives you um, the ability to track and 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 determine. Ways to when if they do fail you, they get ninety days to uh, make an attempt at curing, and if they can't, they still get to keep you. But um, you might, I mean, you don't because if you don't have a way of measuring, you've got to be able to quantify what cure curing means, and quantify what what failure means. And if you can't do that, because they have all the data. You only get what they give you, right? Mm-hmm. If if you don't have that data to say, this is what's wrong, and this is how we're going to track the fix, then there's no such thing as caring because yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, because yeah. the, the TABC is not going to get involved and say, oh, no, they they didn't cure it. You're right. No, they're not going to get involved at all. They're gonna be like, oh, that's a contract thing. And then the contract lawyers are going to be like, no, but the Fair Dealings Act says. And the TABC is going to be like, well, but it's a contract thing. And you're going to be stuck, yep. right, Until, unless you can come up with a very definitive way of curing and what failure means and what success means and the only way to do that is with data and the ability to audit what they are doing and have meetings with them regularly if you just give it to them and let them go with it you're asking for trouble 
you need to be meeting with them, asking them their metrics, because they have them. They're keeping them. They should, and ours well, didn't, they but they should. Ours there are did many not, that but, don't, yes. Yeah, but they sh- you should be meeting, setting those expectations of those meetings, what your sales goals are, what's coming out, what's not, having having a relationship with them. So when we say be a dick, we mean, you know, with the, with the contract, yeah, but you still need to have a relationship with them, and you need to be talking regularly, meeting, sitting down, saying, this is what we plan on doing. What are you doing? How are you planning on doing this? What help do you need? Here's where we need help. And communicating. As far as being tough with the uh, distributors, remember, remember one thing, okay? The, this one? Remember this particular item as well as all the other ones we mentioned, okay? All right, yeah, to be precise, all right? <sighs> Lesson number 101. Yes. All right, okay. <laughs> The Fair Dealings Act says that you can um, breach a contract with a distributor if you have just cause. Now, remember that the Fair Dealings Act will not describe to you what constitutes just cause. Except they do. They do spell out one thing that cannot be used as just cause. Ever in the history of ever. The one thing you cannot use as justification for firing a distributor is lack of sales. Performance. You cannot fire the the, the distributor for the one thing that you want them for. (laughs) The one thing you absolutely require them for is the one thing you cannot fire them for. So put as many other things to fire them for as possible in that contract and if they balk on it, say why are you balking on this right here when it's such a simple request because this is the only thing I have to actually make sure that you're doing your job. But it's the Fair Dealings Act. The Fair Dealings Act. Wow. Oh, yes. Whoa. Yes. The, it's like the Don't Kick Puppies Act, you know? It's like going, how would you be against the Don't Kick Don't Kick, don't kick puppies, puppies Act? act. You, can't, yeah. you can't be against it. All right. It's Fair Dealings. All right. So we're going to have to take a little bit of a breath here real quick. <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, and I'll be back in one second. <laughs> so do you ride motorcycles? Because if you do, you want the sickest gear on the planet. And SimpsonMotorcycleHelmets.com is the site for you. Break free from the pack with your kick-ass style and design that is as subtle as a sucker punch. When you're out on the open road, don't let anyone confuse you with your grandpa. Project an attitude that's all your own. With their signature style and performance, Simpson sets the standard of looking cool while providing superior comfort and protection. Authenticity counts, and there are many helmet brands out there. But there is only one Simpson. You ride a killer bike, don't you? Why settle for a boring helmet? Pick your poison at SimpsonMotorcycleHelmets.com. Badass riders don't settle for anything less. See for yourself on Instagram at Simpson underscore motorcycle underscore helmets. Thanks for riding with us. We'll see you out there. You know, I did want to ask like a couple of kind of questions towards the end just to wrap it up and the obvious one is the simplest one, but maybe not. It's going to be the most complex answer, but a simple at the end is uh, at the end of the day, what do you, who do you blame for why the brewery went out of business? Like what is it? Is it distribution? Governor Abbott. Is it? No, no, I do not. Gov- I do not blame Governor Abbott. No. Governor Abbott. Nope. I blame Governor Abbott. Nope. Yeah. That's the easy, the easy answer is to blame Governor Abbott. Okay. Um, here, here's my thought process on this right there. Okay. I do not blame Governor Abbott 
dictators will do what dictators do. I put the blame squarely and firmly on all the representatives of the uh, Texas State Legislature. I literally, my favorite part about this is I had no not, idea what you were going to say. They that did point. not it get together. The Chinese. At any point, they could have gotten banded together as a group and said, you cannot dictate entire Texas policy during 2020 to Governor Abbott. Let's call a special. They, they never did. forced a special session. They can't force it. They, 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 they could they, have at least tried. They tried. They did try. They did when? try. From, I, I, I read articles that said that they tried. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I wasn't there in the office, so I can't say, but I had heard that they did put in effort. In fact, we asked. We asked Mays Middleton. One, one guy. We asked him, and he said that they've tried, right? Yeah. It was it was up to Abbott to do a special session, and he didn't do a special session. Instead, he made executive orders that made no sense. When he allowed... Um, some businesses to open at 75% occupancy, but we were not allowed to be opened except for to go. Well, not you, even our outside area in the middle of summer. But you didn't have food, which is clearly yeah, yeah. is yeah. the thing that made COVID go of away. Of course. We COVID could, goes we away with food, food, right? And so we, we, before the shutdown, had already removed the chairs from half our tables. We had nine feet between any table and we reduced the number of people at a table or chairs at a table to four from six. A week before the first lockdown. Before the first lockdown. Cause we saw this, we were taking it serious. We had nothing but hard surfaces. We had chlorine based, uh, 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 solutions to, to clean the surfaces plus industrial sanitization. We've always had hand sanitizer on our bar and in different locations in our, in our tap room. We've always had those things, right? So, you know, cause we just, think that people sometimes want them, right? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you're dealing with money and, you know, and stuff. So we've always had it right, you know, right there, accessible to anyone who is, uh, who, who wants to use it. Every surface in our, in our bar was completely sanitizable, right? It, we had no soft surfaces. We, we, and, and, and we bleached the entire tap room every single day. Every day and after every customer, we always had sanitization. So we, we've always had really good health and safety rules. In fact, mid, 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 yeah, mid midway through the, yeah. through the shutdown, we actually got an award from Galveston County Health District. It's called the Gold Star Award. And it's given to very, very few companies. And it says for exemplary health and safety protocols. They give it to like the 1% of the 1%. And we actually were awarded that during the shutdown. But we weren't allowed to open up when we were obviously the health district was saying, you guys are better than 99% of the businesses that we... You couldn't have a single strike um, on your... On you your have, we had zero strikes on our health. I mean, we... Like, I don't know how many companies out there can say our health report was literally perfect 
you know, and so that's why we received. There was not a single strike on it. We've had no reports of, you know, to the health district. So the health district that is keeping us shut down based on Governor Abbott's orders is the same one saying that we have health and safety protocols better than 99.9% of all the other businesses in the health district. And, but we can't open because it's too dangerous in our facility. So there was no gradient. There was no consideration for whether or not the business had the capability of protecting the health while still being able to operate. Yeah, right? It, it we all had, came down to, to whether you can serve some food or not. We had a 100-year-old building that had not been occupied for 30 years before we took it over. We had no floor drains that we could actually drain. So we had two drainage ports. One went for the bathrooms, one for the um, um, the, the bars. We could not physically Put operate beer. We, or, uh, food, sorry. we could not operate food in any way, shape, or form and stuff like this. Because we could not operate food, they would not let us open. But you could walk into Chili's. Don't get me wrong. Love Chili's. Not blaming <laughs> Chili's. I'm just mentioning them as a name brand. A name Whatever. Brand. And you could sit <laughs> at a restaurant. bar and not order any food whatsoever. And you could and you could order a beer and just drink beer there and do theirs. And they were all okay. But us under these perfect gold star award know, awards uh, conditions. situation conditions right. of this could not have people sitting yeah. in our. And here's the thing: is even at fifty percent. Because of the number of, we had 99, we had uh, the fire capacity, 99 uh, seat capacity with a huge outdoor capacity. Huge. We could have literally, if we had had 25 people at any one time during a regular day, it would have been an amazing day for us because we weren't that big of a place right there. And yet we were not allowed to operate. Seven months of operating like that right there with no consideration, treating us as if we're we still were, paying rent. Yeah, yeah. As if still we were rent. a big giant meat market up in Houston or San Antonio or Austin or whatever. This yeah. one size fits all policy that, that literally kept yeah. us from opening up absolutely for seven months, seven months killed us seven months of not being able to do business. I mean, not even having the consideration. And then, and then if we did want to, then we would have to put a huge investment, which we've, which they didn't announce until like five months in. So you've already gone through your war chest, right? Any savings that you might've had, then they're like, Oh, well, if you add food. And so you're like, well, how am I going to put a kitchen in after five months of paying rent out of, you know, savings, right. Out of, out of, you know, whatever war chest I might've had for future development, things that I was saving for doing, you know, other, you know, really cool things. Now it's all gone. And even the EIDL, it's already gone. You know, we didn't qualify for the PPP, you know, so there was no real help there. And so at five months, they're like, oh, well, if you add food, but it can't just be food. It has to be food that you make. So we couldn't just add chips and like soft pretzels and like stuff. No, it had to be, you had to have entrees. You had to go for a food and beverage license. It couldn't, you know, but because you're 51, you're a 51% place, Basically, Governor Abbott saw us as one of these big clubs, like a meat market club, where, you know, a bunch of debauchery is happening, not a craft beer tap room where you have 
everyday people, families, you know, we're very family friendly, you know, people who just want to come in, have some conversations, play some games. In fact, we took away all the games because, you know, sanitization and whatnot during COVID, you know, but people who just want to have, you know, a beer over some, you know, in some conversation and just enjoy themselves. And even if we were able to open up the outdoor area, we could have just put tables and umbrellas and uh, in the outdoor area. And we could have filled up the outdoor area and had people still coming to the tap room, but we weren't allowed to even open our outdoor area during those seven months, seven months of basically only being allowed to do to go you're not going to survive that. And so, I mean, seven months, we, we lasted longer than some. I don't think we were the first to go down, but, you know. But so looking yeah. back, I, and I don't know when the area here opened back up, but how much after November did they allow you to? In other words, had you hung on for X amount of months, how could you have opened? We, we, we lasted longer than we should have. We sh- yeah. Uh, we, we, we kept we it going longer than we should have. On, we literally burned through every last thing and, and then Everything. some. Literally... We announced that we were going to to close down, and Governor Abbott said we're going to open up one week after we you had closed, closed down. down. Literally, literally one week, and 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 even the people are like coming. Hey, Governor Abbott Can't says y'all you, gonna you open say, that case. You know, no, we've literally we have no guarantee was, of survival. It was too far, too late, right? And yeah. then and then after that, he then threatened again to close people down, right? Yeah. So we're like, you know, yeah, he could open us back up, but it's like the last time, the first, the first shutdown, he opened us up for what, two weeks? And then he gave us what, three hours notice? Three hours, three Three hours notice. notice. He gave, he gave everyone else in that order three days notice. But he said, if I had not turned on the news, when I right first time. got up, I'm getting—I'm literally taking a shower. I'm getting ready to go to work because of this, and, and and she had to turn on TV and hear it just the and, right time. And and they had announced right, so, that by noon we were going to be shut down. It was three hours notice that as a general that, rule that we would have I would to get close. there literally two hours early to literally clean everything in that place. I clean that place constantly every day. And it, it literally because she happened to turn on the TV and get the, the notice that, that we were going to be closed down, we wouldn't have even known that we were in violation of the law because I would have been cleaning the place that we weren't supposed to because it was a you know, filthy mess. You <laughs> yeah, know, the, right the gold star health of the, the, the filthy. That, that actually star happened to us too. Yeah, so terrible. Um, I wasn't watching the news at that point. I just sort of like, you know, head down. Mm. We're making shit happen. Yeah. And uh, I found out the next day that I was supposed to close the day before. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the way you run your government. You, you know, like, hey, 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 you, you got to close your business now. Sorry. Yes. I mean, and, and I mean, how are we to, supposed to know? That we had three hours notice to shut down again after we had already been shut down for what, three months? Yeah. Three and a half months, something like that. And so we're like, let's go. Let's start getting, you know, let's. 15 days to, to, to flatten the curve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Three months You know, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, this, you know, it's, it's pandemic. So you got to do what you got to do. But I think that we had plenty of ability to do the distancing and keep people safe. But we weren't given the opportunity because Governor Abbott sees a one-size-fits-all when it comes to 51% places. And that's why I I firmly 
put on the, the, the blame on Governor Abbott because there was no, he could have um, said, okay, you know what, places with a certain health rating, let the health districts, not the TBC, but the health districts regulate it, right? Well, and say, that. hey, if you've got an A rating, you get open. Okay. You're doing you, your job. You obviously have a an understanding of how to protect health. Here are the rules. You can open at certain percentage. If you have a B rating, here's the thing, you know, here's the here are the rules. If you have a C rating, maybe you can't open yet. Maybe you need to work on stuff or maybe, you know, whatever. But let the health districts help with that. Instead of a one size fits all, because and and there's also these small businesses. If you have less than a hundred occupants, you are not the same as a thousand person club, right? You sure. obviously have a very different business model and building and situation happening. So there there were things that he could have done to say, okay, well maybe. If you're bigger than a certain size, we're going to have certain protections versus when you are smaller, hey, maybe you have a little bit more ability to be flexible and handle, you know, handle the situation in a very different way. And so, you know, let's, let's look at things from a not one side fits all. But what he, what he did was he picked winners and losers. If you could do food, you were a winner. If you could not, you were not. If you were 51% alcohol, you were not a winner. If you were not in a 51%, then you were, you were a winner, you know? And I mean, at one point, the restaurants with bars were at open at 75% capacity. And we were not allowed to be at any capacity. That, I mean, it didn't make any sense. We had huge open area. We had an outdoor. We weren't even allowed to be outdoor. Let, let, let me ask you this quick question. This is to the general viewer out there versus Mr. Kelly, who I'm looking at here. I think I can. All right. <laughs> think about this just for a minute here, okay? From the time the food comes into the back of the kitchen until it hits your plate, how many people touch that food versus how many people touch your food or touch the drink from the time the sealed containers come in from the brewery to the bar poured in that glass and handled to you. Which one of these two had the most contact with other human beings causing issues, causing you the potential of catching the big bad coronavirus and stuff like this. Which one of these two actually caused the most problem? The food handled by average of four, five, six people or the beer handled by one, possibly two people. So we actually started a petition on, uh, what was the, basically change.org. 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 Yes. Yes. We actually did it. And, and the entire thing was, I'm not telling him to not shut us down. I'm asking him for the data that he uses to make the decision to keep us not, not, not to close us down, but to keep us closed down. That was the entire thing. And I actually asked the people to actually, Hey, sign up for this petition that if we get enough people there to force him to actually give us the data that he uses to, um, keep us to, closed to down. keep us closed down. 
we, Nothing. We barely got a hundred people. Really? No, we got we got we got more than that. Ooh, was, no, 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 I thought we no, had like four hundred. We barely got a uh-huh. hundred people actually sign up to say, "Hey, talk to not not Just talk to us, not change." I'm not telling you to stop doing. I'm saying. Talk force to you us. to talk to the people that you were to uh, you were closing down, and not even a hundred people would actually sign a petition yeah. saying, "Let's force this governor to yeah. actually talk to yeah. those people." He he refused to give any details on why he was keeping us closed down versus what what was so dangerous about our place or places like ours. Compared to other places that he was allowing to be open, we basically we're the same as these other places. There was more of a push me. to open movie theaters. Yeah, no offense, those are the biggest freaking petri dishes out there. <laughs> I love the movie theaters. Don't get me wrong, but those yeah. are the biggest petri dishes out there. There was more of a movement open than that than we were. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, I mean, when there's no end in sight, because he wasn't giving, he wasn't communicating how long he was going to keep us down. What were the metrics that he was looking for to see when it would be safe to open us back up, right? It was just, you don't know how long this is going to go on for, for all we knew it was going to go for another year, you know? And well, they were using the metric of cases, which is always an issue because cases were not indicative of death. Yeah. And, and so it, you know, it got... You know, at a, at a certain point, I mean, he literally drained us of everything. You know, when we close, of course, that doesn't, that doesn't solve any debt or any, you know, yeah. any whatever. Yeah, and I mean, what are we, we, we going to say? We're like, you know, hey, go talk to Governor Abbott, you know, send your bill to Governor Abbott. You know, what do you do? I mean, had we known at the beginning that it was going to be seven months, I think we would have closed earlier. earlier. But we kept thinking... Surely this can't surely go on. this can't go on. Yeah, no, and no, so no, we kept letting it, let letting it go. You know, and we we let it go longer than we should have did through hopefulness, right? Well, you want to save something that you spent the last ten years building. You know, we were open for six years, but you know, it's almost easy, I guess twelve years. T- because, 10, 12 years we because it took us six out. years to get to that point, and then six years we were in operation. And it, and and the thing that really hurts is that when you close because it was no fault of your own, you know it's it's a difference if you if you're like man I made a bad business decision my bad right sucked you know the beer sucked I spent the money in Vegas I yeah, yeah I, I I should have invested here and I and I versus here but when when your hands are tied and you're like I mean we canceled. So many, we, we had all these crawfish boils set and those, those, our crawfish oh, we boils were huge, were huge events. days. Yeah. They were going to be, I mean, huge. We're the entire, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fun, fun, fun thing here. Because it was an election year coming up, we had literally planned out and actually started working on it. And I had done huge amount of work on yeah. the, the verbiage on this entire campaign of us talking to our dogs about how humans elect their their leaders, which they're like, that's the stupidest thing ever. Why, why would you select a leader this way? And literally, our popular. dogs were going to run for um, uh, office. For office. And we leader were making pack. up and, and a leader for leader of the so pack. And, okay, and, okay, so I think the most important question everyone at home is going to be asking is, 
which party were they going to run for? Didn't matter. Oh, oh no, 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 oh, no, no, no. We had, we had, we had the uh, Lickitarian Party. The Lickitarians. Lickitarian. Uh, Retrievers. Retrievers United? Uh, United no. Retrievers. And, no. um, oh, shoot. Uh, uh, Labradors for Progress. Really? Yeah, something for Progress. We had these four dogs we, we had their own yeah. party. Okay. I had logos created for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, we put... I, I built out a whole section Hundreds of, of hours putting into to logos, and we developed a character. We had Professor O.P. Slobert, which actually was Slobber. It's Slobert, Slobert, you know. Ranger R. Ruffin, you know, Grr, you know. We had names, and we had literally Easter eggs hidden all over. We yeah. spent ginormous amount of time, yeah. and we were and, and spent all this time developing four 2020 to develop. We're implementing our save a save a dog save or a save, life, a life save a life campaign. Save a life. Right? Save a life program. And so the whole thing was we were going to have our dogs running for leader of the pack, and then every weekend we were going to have a rescue, a, a rescue or, come or and do uh, an adoption day. And, and we were going to pick some dogs from each of these rescues that were going to run for some of like the local um, elections. And the whole idea was to vote for that dog, you go and adopt it, and adopt right? It, yeah. And you save that life, right? So we had the uh, commissioner of treats or whatever, yeah, you, know, treats, and, you know, yeah. you know these well, different I'm things. I'm running right? for commissioner of treats. Four dogs. You know, they, they, four they, dogs. They would give me these four dogs that were they're going to put out. Um, they would do these list put, of dogs. Maybe they've been around. Four dogs that have been there for a while, and they're going to bring out in two days later. And I would actually have to type out stories behind each one of those dogs of why they're running for this particular uh, and office that we posters make up on the spot. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was this whole thing. We, we had this whole thing planned and then, and then we we're shut down. We weren't able to do any of that. And we th- thought we could, you know, we wanted to really kind of take on that, you know, there's all that election stress, right? This was a very contentious election, before, no matter what side you, and so, and so we're like, you know what? A lot of people, would really probably appreciate voting for a little humor, uh, voting for the leader of the pack rather than the leader of the free world. We had it all planned out, you know? You know, and we were going to have all these really cool, really cool events that were, you know, going to really kind of, you know, focus on giving back, saving lives of dogs, but also bringing people in and great creating community and, and having a little bit of fun with, you know, the election. Cause it was so, it was so stressful, right? There was so many people that were just unhappy, you know, about we what was going on to be very non-political. So we be, yeah, it was all non-political. As far as like, like left, right, whatever we, we try to be, yeah, uh, just general, general. You know, on, on just dogs, like you know? you're gonna like and, and you know, dogs. Would, them, would, yeah. We try to make them as, as if they voted for some, if they were in favor of a particular issue, it was very dog based. You know, yeah, so. yeah, and and so you know, we created dog issues and stuff, and so so you know, we had all of that, and it basically had you know all that work, all that everything went out the window, and I you know, and I and I understand. I mean. It, like I said, it's, it was a pandemic, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of unknown. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of concern. There was a lot of people got sick. A lot of people passed away. So sorry to hear, you know, that, but at the same time, I think that our, our government officials failed in so many ways. I can't even quantify it. And they failed us. 
you know, and, and many businesses similar to us, you know, there's just, you know, there was, you know, one size does not fit all. There's, there's a way to there were, protect there safety. No effort at, at right. subtlety. There was yeah. no effort at subtlety. It was one size fit all. In fact, there were even threats. There were threats. I mean, they, 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 they didn't, the, the, the police came by to, to make sure to deliver the first go around, deliver the order to us to make sure that, everybody shut, shut down right and so you know and and by order of law and i mean they you know it was ridiculous and i think there's so many better ways to do it and and i think that had governor abbott called a special session he would have allowed our representatives to speak on our behalf because we were all in contact with our representatives saying hey what's going on and they all knew our 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 positions and they could have together come up with other solutions but governor abbott became king abbott you know and that's wrong and he should never have been able to do that which is ultimately the problem with politics is that it at is. some point the governor was trying to make rules that the local government could not supersede right so instead right. of saying hey you guys are in galveston county uh, what's best for your county? You guys decide. Right. He made a blanket rule and, exactly. and that made it impossible for those right. guys to, to have some flexibility. So. Right, and he should he should have called a special. He should have been required, honestly. And I think they they later they uh, put a bill to, out. I don't know oh, if it's, I don't know. They if were it's trying to, but the Democrats just fled the the, the county. So the, the whole, oh, is that will that one not get voted on? The whole, I don't know. If it's been well, I thought I, I thought that it would have been through the normal session, but I. I, it's I, all been no you know, I thought I thought a bill had it. been at least suggested to said that if a an emergency order is put in place that within 30 days he's got to call emergency, a special emergency was should have been a, a meteorite struck Dallas <laughs> and and the governor is to step in while the legislative comes up with a plan not the the governor runs everything for 20 for, months while yeah, you know for a year he gets to make all the calls because because session isn't until next year you know no No, that was not the way emergency powers were intended to be yeah so he abused them and i think that we ended up on the on the back end of it because i mean no business can survive well some business can apparently but our business couldn't survive seven seven months of not being able to truly operate low income coming in yeah I mean, there were times when we literally sold two beers, two to-go beers, you know, mm. in a day. You imagine, you know? imagine that. Imagine sitting at your your brewery that you guys. I loved that tap room. I loved that tap room like you would not believe. I thought it was the most gorgeous place. I thought we did a great job. Imagine sitting there and watching entire Netflix series. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And by not yourself. Se- and yeah. not seeing. Not seeing a single soul. You know, there were days when nobody came in. Because to go only. So since you love to tap in that much, probably be the question I wrap it up with. But describe what that was like to walk away the last time to lock it up. I mean, where'd you put the key? You know what I mean? Like, what was that like? It was soul crushing. Um, Teresa spent literally better part of a month painting a mural on the outside of that building because we, we realized when we, well, we loved our logo. Well, we loved our logo. Um, we realized that having our logo on the outside of the building, at the very front of the building, you, you'd have to go to look at the building to understand what I'm talking about. There's, but if you're driving down there just to see our logo, we had people coming in saying, "When can I brought my dog off 
to get it groomed because <laughs> people thought it was a, a dog grooming place because fetching lab they thought that was a you know it so was a big ass very beautiful dog that you painted <laughs> it was a very beautiful no well the the, the 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 down the sides the long axis of the building she painted these two murals on both sides that actually said we're a brewery right. not a dog place. the original sign it was small you had to kind of get right up on it before you could really kind of read that it was fetching lab people didn't know what and then people was. just saw the dog and so they thought you know at the, at the front of the building so the idea was paint fetching library on both sides and big old bold letters yeah. so there so you're not like you know thinking it's a dog grooming place or sure. um, we've had they want people what called us up to drop off samples Fetching lab. Where, where do I drop my samples off? What, what's up? Like I got, I got some blood no, samples no, no, I need no, to have in us. I'm going, uh, we're sample. not that kind of lab. Labrador, <laughs> <laughs> laboratory. Please leave your samples at home. <laughs> we, we were literally, at that point, we were literally at GABF up in Colorado when this lady called us and asked us, and I, I said, ma'am, we're a brewery. Goes, I know you're a brewery, but where do I drop my samples? Ma'am. We make beer. Well, I know that. And and, and, and it got flustered and she, she hung up on us. And we're going, ah. No, no, right. please, so, please leave your samples so, away from us. Closing down the tap room side, which is in Texas City. So, so the brewery and the tap room were separated by like 20 miles. So we actually had to drive quite a ways. Just the closing down the, the tap room was very, very traumatic because I love that building. It had history. It had everything. It was go, amazing. Go, go look at our webpage or our Facebook page if you want to hear the story. It was, it was amazing stuff like this. But at one point where we actually literally had to paint over this big, huge mural that Teresa painted was just soul-crushing. And I think one of the, the worst parts is going back to the brewery where we turned off the, the glycol chiller. The, 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 basically, the, in, in a brewery, the there, there's two things that actually uh, control massive beer con- creation. It is temperature and time. Time you can't control. Eh, what it is. Temperature you can control. So at the point where we turned off the glycol chiller, the thing that actually controlled the temperature of all the different tanks and stuff – and the quietness in that building. It was literally where every day I could walk into that brewery early, early, early in the morning with no, no, no lights on, no nothing. And just the sound of that told me the health of that building and what was going on. And all of a sudden I'd walk in there. And there was nothing. It was nothing. It, and you, it was quiet. It was just yeah. quiet. And, like you and when you believe. turned it, the, and, and it was that, that, that shocking silence inside that building that it, I was not used to was just literally I just feel felt draining out of me. Like, oh my god, this really, really is happening. It took me home. months to get used to not hearing it. Yeah, we'd heard right. it for six years, every single day, just and for months. Drums, I mean, I was know. just always like, "What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong?" You know, not hearing it, I was just on edge, like. Looking and then and then I realize oh oh wait we're, we're, done. <laughs> we're done it's over right? oh, and that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm yeah what I'm hearing is what I'm not hearing you know I guess is the thing it's like you, you just feel like you're hearing Look, something, it, something yeah. wrong you, you know you in a brewery literally if you walk in that brewery and if you hear a slight sound difference do you not going what's wrong what's going or you know the hold sound on, that hold on going. even better I walked if you out walk today in there, I, I heard you, a leaking CO two and yeah. I was like. Fuck yeah, you know yeah, what it I is. Find you it. Know I knew it, it somewhere. Is. You were so but if you to, yeah. walked in there 
and it was dead silent. Oh, you'd panic. You would also your, panic. Your heart would start pounding. Right? Because yeah. there's the you sound know, of the glycol. Like, like, why is there sound? Why is there no sound? Because there's always this little hum of the glycol going through the pipes. The hissing and, and gurgling. And, you know, hissing and gurgling of the tanks. And, you know, there's always a sound. And that silence. It, it was heart It really, really, really was. was. Just, the, the, the silence yeah. just killed us. Yeah. So we're almost nine months away from the time that you guys officially closed. Has it gotten better? Are you? Did you get that relief of like, thank God, I don't own a brewery anymore? Like, uh, is there a moment where you're happy yeah, now? Yes and it? no. Yes and no. There, there is a certain point where the stress of of trying to keep up with because you will never ever outguess the public. You you won't do it. What the public wants, what they you'll you'll never guess. You think they want this, you want that. Yes, we we fought against hazies because we're like, yeah, that's kind of silly, whatever. But people love it. <laughs> it'll so, it'll be just, a passing fad. No, it's not. I mean, because you you hear like you know barrel age, barrel age lasts for you know they'll go through like this thing and like oh two months and then it moves on to something else. You're like okay, well I'm not gonna get something barrel aged in two months, so passing on, right? So you think okay, well these fads are are just going to be passing fads and then they become a thing and you're yeah. like, Oh my Whoa. bad. Right. You know? And so, yeah, you can't, there's, there's no guessing what the consumer is going to like fleetingly versus are going to like long-term. Right. That's, that's something that you're just constantly like, yeah. What's going to become the next long-term thing versus what's the next short-term yeah. thing. We, we, you know? we nailed it one year where we, we, the first year that we put out our blue bitch our blueberry cream ale, which was actually one of our most popular beers and stuff. We literally nailed it right when kind of fruit beers were actually coming out and, and people, and we did really, really well that particular year and stuff of those guys. And then again, we had the thing where, where hazies, where we fought against hazies thinking it's just going to be a quick fad, be over. We didn't understand it. We didn't want to, you know, we understood the chemistry behind it, but we just weren't behind we it. We didn't understand and, and it lasted for like two love years. It. And, and oh, it's still, still going on. It's still going on. Yeah, yeah. Still going on. But yeah. it was much bigger wave, so you just cannot outguess what the public wants on these and things. It's yeah. stressful. It's a lot of stress. And so, yeah, so, go so on. I'd say I'd say, yeah, there's 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 a certain amount of weight lifted. But there's still a lot of stress because closing down a business is just as hard in Texas as opening a business. Yeah. There's, I mean, we're still trying to get the state to say, okay, you can close, right? Like the actual business part. Yeah. You know, there's still, you know, um, certain, you know, bills that you're still trying to close out, you know, after all this time. And, you know, I mean, it's taken, it's taken Brett all this time to find a job. You know, when you've been a when you've been a brewery owner, that's not necessarily people are like, oh, interesting. You oh, own your own business, but what do you have that applies to yeah, me? To me, like, and well, so, I, I know how to run a business. I'm running my business. What do you do? You, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like you, you know. know but, I don't need to hire you to be the owner. But also, yeah. you know, you know, not only did we you know close a business during COVID, but then it's okay. Brett needs to find a job during COVID. Yeah, they say a lot of jobs come back, and I, you know we talked about this earlier. But those jobs aren't necessarily in the field that he came from, yeah. and where or, or or where he's going. I mean, he's he has a master's degree in molecular biology, and yeah, he could get a job at you know at a uh, fast food place, but he's kind of moved further on in his career, and those and those jobs maybe haven't come back as much. You know, a lot of those jobs that they talk about are in, you know, the um, service industry where, you know, after you've closed your business, you're like, all right, 
maybe I don't want to be in the service industry for a minute, right? I kind of want to step aside. I've just been in it for, you know, six years. Let me, let me see about going into, you know, back into what, what he's trained for. And, and so those jobs are, are a lot harder to find. I mean, no matter what the news wants to tell you, you know, about, you know, finding jobs he's put in, he put in hundreds, I'm not kidding you, hundreds of applications and not a single callback. And he's got a really impressive resume. The problem is he's either overqualified or underqualified. They want a PhD or they want uh, some kid out of, uh, out of college. And he's, in the master's range, right? And that's not, and that's not what they look for. And so then, you know, so then it becomes, well, what do you do? So in seven months, while the, you know, pressure is lifted from the brewery, the job market isn't where it could be because, you know, COVID really kind of took a hit in, in all these different industry areas, not just us. We weren't the only ones affected and having to close or having to, you know, reduce, um, employment, et cetera. You know, it was, it was across the board. Everybody was hit by, by the, the regulations and, and the situation, you know? Yeah. No, it's been terrible across the board. Unfortunately, you guys lost your business, but, uh, at least I think you've left a little bit of a legacy and, and hopefully yeah, this podcast will live on a little bit and let people kind of remember what you guys did. So yeah, for sure. No, but it gave him some time to garden. You know? <laughs> He's doing a lot of gardening, you know, and my honeydew lists. Yeah, guys, just uh, let's learn what that one is. Uh, just remember that if you open a brewery and it doesn't succeed, you owe your wife many, many years of uh, back um, payment for that gift. Back payment. For the support that she gave to you. Yes, yes, yes. And I could not think of a better place to end than that. <laughs> So I want to thank both of you guys for uh, spending time with me this the last few hours and, and really open up your hearts and your minds and, and some of the experiences that you went through. And I think your experience has been invaluable. And, and, and as much as Brett, I think that that was probably the quote that I will remember from you forever. You owe your wife. <laughs> Anyways, I, I think it was a fantastic, fantastic journey as much as it didn't end the way you guys wanted it to. I, I do think that. Um, over the past few hours, we've been able to kind of garner some stuff that hopefully will help some other people going forward. We hope and, so. Uh, we hope so. Yes. Uh, have a fantastic night. I, I assure you that this will not be the last time that uh, we talk. I'm sure I'll have some follow-up questions for you um, on, on a variety of topics. But uh, thanks a lot, and I wish you guys the best going forward. In the meantime, Kelly, Kelly, I think you're actually providing a, a fantastic service to people by letting yes. them actually hear things they need to know, not what they want to know. So good job on that one. Thank you very much. Thank you. If he were interested in anything his old dad was interested in, my son would say it's something like, y'all need to be fucking with PR. Your booze business is more than just an online profile. Fine, keep doing your limited can release and your meet the beer tender post, but it's time to think bigger than just cheesy marketing. Better, more professional. Brittany Hanning has years of experience turning big ideas into targeted communication in the beverage alcohol business, and her PR firm, Made to Measure Communications can tighten your image with expert services ranging from AI generation all the way to media relations. See, people in this industry love to talk about the importance of branding and media outreach, but don't kid yourself for a second. You need an expert to navigate that stuff. So go to the website at M2MCOMMS, M2MCOMS, look them up in San Francisco, or just ask me for Brittany's number. But seriously, stop screwing around and get your image right today. 
Hey guys, I want to thank you for sticking around. I appreciate you spending time with my guests tonight today. A couple of housekeeping things. I want to remind you that my book is available on Amazon, both on Kindle and in the paperback. And you'll see probably about another month, there'll be an audio book. So if you don't like to read and for some reason you're burdened with loving to listen to my voice, you will get more of that um, in that audio book. But again, thanks for sticking around and I look forward to the next podcast. Uh, peace out. See you soon. Free play. Media. Media.